1: Welcome back. Well, a lot of really interesting people pass through Seoul, and Koreascape tries to catch up with them before they go home, last week we began a two-part conversation with Mark McKenna and Frank Considine, who run the Los Angeles-based Herb Ritz Foundation. Now, even if you don't know the name Herb Ritz, you almost certainly know his work. As a fashion and celebrity photographer, he took some of the late 20th century's most iconic images of the world's most recognizable people, and his work is currently on display at the Sejong Museum, of Art. We began last week by profiling Herb Ritz, who died too young from complications of HIV, but he established a legacy of AIDS activism and photography education through his foundation. Here's part two of our conversation, a walkthrough now with Mark and Frank of his photo gallery on display in Seoul. So it bears repeating, Frank, that uh, as we start walking through this gallery, this is before really the day of Photoshop, before digital, before everything. So when a photographer like Herb Ritz was working, he would shoot rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls of film and then go meticulously through his contact sheets and pick out what he wanted to have printed.
0: That's absolutely right, uh, that he would uh, shoot shoot the film edit his contact sheets himself and uh, there could be jobs where it would be dozens if not hundreds of roles of film where he was working out a particular idea that he had and herb also had the great spontaneity to respond to a moment and to interact with the individuals that he was photographing so it, w- it was an evolution uh, between them he was not one to come into. to uh, an assignment with a preconceived notion. It was more about the interaction and the and the reaction. So you'll see, you know, they uh, the Sejong Art Center has a, a few small video monitors displayed in uh, in relationship with the uh, fine art photographs, where you can see examples of how Herb did photograph through the contact sheets. You'll see some of his hand notations, and then perhaps the uh, the final one that he does. Uh, selected right next to the museum print.
1: This very first photo that we're looking at, Mark, is uh, kind of what got him started, this sort of hunky photo of uh, Richard Gere next to an old 1950s car, and it uh, sort of sets the, the mold for this sort of sensual uh, look of his subjects.
2: I think you're exactly right. Part of what's happening, you see this in this idea, is that, you, first of all, you're out of a studio. You're no longer in the old system of sitting inside of a dark studio with a strobe light. He's taking the subject matter out. There is a sensuality now. So now what you're starting to see is what's happening in popular culture, the male figure and the male figure's sensuality being pushed into society, accepted, and then also finding its way into advertising and editorial uh, pictures it's not just the women on the cover of vogue and selling that type of sexuality now you're seeing the male sensuality come into pop culture in the united states the, the male image had been a bit straight laced before that hadn't it P- pretty much almost uh, hidden it was just the second party to whatever famous female model there was but you're seeing now it's coming into the mainstream did you uh, take responsibility for organizing the chronology of photos here, the, the
1: order in which they appear?
0: It was a joint collaboration between the organizers of the exhibition and the us at the Herbert's Foundation.
1: Is it purely chronological or is there any particular thematic progression that you uh, thought about?
0: It's absolutely not chronological, which I think is is great because you, in that way, you do still see the similar underlying uh, themes and uh, tone of of Herb, Herb's work. Uh, that there is this this consistent, uh, consistent sensitivity towards light, this consistent uh, appreciation of beauty.
1: Okay, so let's walk along a little bit. We're seeing some. Uh some male images here. The first 3 are clearly sensual images. There's uh one nude male model over there and then you're progressing into uh some clearly some celebrity work. There's Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I was unaware that he had photographed him as that in that role.
2: Uh he had her photographed the uh, movie poster for the first uh redo of uh, Batman back in 1989 or 88. Uh and as you can see these photographs he was taken As he's shooting for uh, the reason for movie publicity, he's shooting Jack Nicholson in a way that is not necessarily directly what you would associate as typical movie publicity. These are photographs he was really doing for himself. He had already worked with Jack Nicholson several times in the years past, uh, so there was a comfortability between him and the subject and allowed Jack to kind of create the character and herb capturing what Jack had done with the character.
1: The range of personalities that appear in his photographs, you just can't overstate how diverse it is. Uh, we've got, in this very room that we're standing in, we've got Dizzy Gillespie, Dalai Lama, Richard Gere. Is that Mel Gibson over there?
2: That is.
1: Okay, let's keep walking. Did he have a good sense of humor, Mark? Mo-
2: I think that was probably one of the key elements for him to have a good sense of humor, and also it's what led him to be able to make a, a, a subject feel comfortable, very easy on. That's half of it, isn't it?
1: Uh, half of the photographer's work is kind of being a, a shrink, uh, kind of getting the subject to loosen up and, and let their own personality out.
2: That's very true, and also to be able to coerce them to doing things that you know, their publicists probably wouldn't want them to do. Uh, Herb's one of Herb's nature things was that he would always shoot at the beach or around some sort of water. And it didn't make a difference if it was 80 degrees or 30 degrees. Somehow or another, he would convince them to get in the water, whether it was Madonna or Liam Neeson for an advertising campaign. He could get them in there. And uh, My life was not so fun when that day happened because that meant I was getting in the water, too. <laughs> so he was persuasive. That's an understatement.
1: <laughs> a little bit of uh, gender bending over here. Who is this uh Oh, that's Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer in drag.
2: It is Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, This was done for a session they were doing for American Vogue. And the idea behind this was a, I can't remember which one, but it was a Noel Coward play. And they basically, throughout the whole session, they had her doing different things. There's another photo that came out of it that's not here where she was uh, Joan of Arc. So they let her kind of role play to kind of, because she's always been very kind of shy and hard to break out. So by creating these little vignettes of stories, it allowed her to kind of move forward and and be outside of herself. I suppose the
1: comparison to Annie Leibovitz is uh, unavoidable. Did the two know each other?
2: Uh, They knew each other well up until the very end. But their work styles are very different. I mean, Annie, Herb allowed himself to look at a subject and, and come into a photo session where him and the subject kind of collaborated and moved forward, myself having worked for Miss Leibovitz, uh, she would come in and already have it worked out about what the picture was going to be. Uh, it was already kind of drafted or sketched out. This is an
0: interesting portrait here of the uh, scientist Stephen Hawking, and it's actually uh, an assignment that Herb sought out himself. Uh, he, had, he had read about Mr. Hawking, wanted to meet him, uh, arranged to have a, a photo assignment and you really see that he approached this in the same way of all of his other things that he made a beautiful portrait of of this man that he saw you know an incredible mind an incredible individual and it w- it was that approach to his work that I think really really shines through
1: yeah so it's, it's an interesting uh portrait Stephen Hawking is is not really looking at the camera he's uh in deep thought it would seem see gorbachev he's got christopher reeve in his wheelchair as well was it a status symbol to be photographed by herbert
2: certainly i would say that probably started around 1995 you know Herbert had enough published work whether it was vanity fair vogue or uh, any other thing including time magazine so yeah at a certain point in time he became the celebrity as well mandela here Jodie foster quentin tarantino
1: some lesser known faces too who is this over here with the beard
2: the, the French artist César. Again, it was just something that Herb found unusual in his face and his look and his parents, and he was drawn to it.
1: The majority of the celebrity images are
2: quite tame.
1: I came in here expecting them to be, uh, I'm looking at a Nicole Kidman where she's in a state of half-undress here, about to remove her blouse. I, I expected more photos to be like that, but they're actually very tame, very, um, they have a dignity to them.
2: I think that's right because one of the things is, you know, Herb wasn't trying to photograph a celebrity and make it feel scandalous. Mm. That was part of the beauty of him and the relationships he had with these celebrities and with the celebrity handlers, the publicist, that allowed them to um, feel comfortable because he was taking the beauty and really capturing his feeling of their persona and what ended up being his vision of beauty of them. So he did uh, some work with Michael Jackson as well. He did. Uh, he did a major session with him back in 1992. Plus, he also directed a pretty well-known music video of Michael Jackson's that starred Naomi Campbell. You just with these people? Some he did. Not all of them. It's uh, it's still, you know, when you show up, it's still work. It's still a job. So some of them were friends. Katie Lang was certainly a dear friend of his that he spent time with. Tracy Chapman. Of course, Richard Gere, who he'd known. Uh, but not every celebrity was, you know, hanging at his house. Elton John was a very dear friend of Herb's as well.
1: We've got a couple of Michael Jacksons there. We've got... Elton John being photographed in a kind of a shadowy, silhouette kind of way. Sinead O'Connor, very young Bruce Springsteen in 1992. This is the stuff that's being advertised around the city. Specifically, as you might know, this photo of Madonna wearing a derby hat and uh, engaging in a Michael Jackson-esque uh, crotch grab. Uh, this is how they advertise this expo around the city.
2: It is. And I think one of the things is, I mean, we only have a, a few uh, Madonna photographs in the exhibition. Uh, we've got, what, five here or six here. The one thing is, it's, uh, I think, that Herberts did when he was photographing Madonna that was a little bit different is he captured her evolution of her career as she was starting. And he
1: repeated certain, I guess, memes, uh, like the cover of the Madonna True Blue album. That's actually a pose that he repeated from an earlier Olivia Newton-John photo,
2: right? It is. I can't say that, that he directed you know this to to be like that other one, but you're exactly right. He saw a certain shape and a form and a style. I think that was more what was happening than anything.
1: This is where we're getting into the sort of more raw, sensual stuff. A lot of nude figures here, a lot of artistic uh, work on the contours of the body, that kind of thing.
0: This is a great example. One of Herb's most uh, iconic images, the title is uh, "Fred with Tires. Uh, This was shot very early in his career in uh, 1984. And as Mark mentioned earlier, this really was... The, the transition of the magazines and the editorial world uh opening themselves to male sensuality
2: early on in his career was he out uh, i want to say it was 1990 when he actually came out but he he had never been really in but as far as coming out and doing television or doing press it was 1990 when he was actually uh, doing stuff maria shriver and other people
1: so as he was in his peak of fame people knew that he was uh, that he was gay and uh, some of these, I don't know, some of these photos seem to kind of follow that theme, although he applies the same sensuality to both men and women.
2: I think the word sensuality is the key element, it's not sexuality, it's sensuality, so he's not photographing a man with a, a sense of sexuality, he's photographing it with sensuality, and the same thing happens with women. Which, that's why I think when you start to look at some of the nude work, the women almost, in some cases, seem stronger than the way he photographed men. It looks like virtually all of the pictures were done uh, outdoors. Correct. I mean, that's, again, his key element was he used sunlight. And one of the reasons why he used sunlight, I mean, there's a lot of small reasons, but it took away the cumbersome idea of being in a studio with a bunch of photographic equipment. So a lot of certain freedom that you could develop a spontaneity with the subject and with the day and how the day was working out. There's something interesting going on here. This model,
1: her own hair has been put over her face as a mask and i don't know there's there's kind of a skeleton or ghost eyes on the hair is that something that he made happen at the shoot or did he manipulate that afterwards
2: no this was uh definitely an image the image is called mask uh the model is stephanie seymour uh and this was it was a day of shooting that uh, they'd been doing some other things but the hairdresser just started playing with this idea and this is where herb had a good team around him of collaborators whether it was makeup hair uh or and or fashion editors that had kind of allowed room to play How long from, you know,
1: arriving on the scene, you know, and unpacking his camera to clicking away uh, did it take him? Was he snapping right away or did he obsess over details before he started clicking?
2: No, he was not obsessed over details in any way. One of the things is that in order to create a comfortable environment, he didn't start shooting early in the morning. He always used midday to late afternoon light.
0: This room has uh, a a couple of Herb's most iconic images, uh, probably his, you know, most iconic image would be uh, Stephanie, Cindy, Christy, Tatiana, and Naomi, uh, a photograph of the, probably at the time, the the five uh, biggest models, the supermodels, and Herb was very, you know... Very influential in, you know, creating the the idea of the the supermodel. And I think it really speaks to his relationship with his subjects, uh, the comfort level that he was able to gather together these five individuals and make a a very comfortable, sensual image.
1: Yeah, and it's not really tawdry either. It looks, uh, you know, it, it does have a certain
0: comfort to it. Absolutely. And on the adjacent wall, this image is, uh, the title is uh, Versace Dress, uh, shot in one of Herb's favorite locations, uh, the Dry Lakes out in El Mirage, California. Again, natural light, big, open, expansive spaces. And this was actually part of a advertising campaign for the designer Gianni Versace. Herb and Mr. Versace, they were good friends, and he, they worked together many times. But you can see where he approached a... Advertising campaign as a fine art project. This would be, you know, described as the third section of the exhibition, the the nude section. But I think you've already seen the crossovers where in the fashion work there's. You know, so many similarities between the the nude section. So it's nice to organize the exhibition this way to create a little bit of a flow. But I don't think it's fair to break his body of work apart, and because it, the themes the themes run together, and certainly not fair to, you know, classify him just as a celebrity photographer.
1: He's got three nudes here of a uh uh, african-american or is it an african i don't know who is it
2: jimin hansu he's a noted as an an actor now Uh, he's an african-american in the u.s right uh he's actually african African uh and he moved to the u.s in the mid-80s uh at that time he was a a model uh and he transitioned he's done some films i think amistad was one
1: Amazing things with uh, the light and the dark skin and, and the the sheen of uh, you know oil coming off the skin. It's really an amazing effect.
2: And I think also what's important about this room is that everything in this room was done by Herb on his own personal level. Nothing was uh, developed out of a, a commercial assignment, advertising, or editorial. And to the point that this one image ended up being used for a commercial. Uh, advertisement for, for Chanel, but it was actually something he photographed for himself.
1: And This is his main camera here.
2: Yeah, his main analog film camera, Mamiya six by seven, uh, two and a quarter by two and three quarter.
0: I think this is a, a great example of, uh, of Herb's style, uh, the, the image Waterfall Woman with Sphere. And it, kind of, it brings together a lot of the elements that Herb was so attracted to, the, uh, the, his use of natural light, his use of water and shadow, and how it all becomes together. And even though it's just a black and white photograph, it's very, it's very textural.
1: If I didn't know better, looking at uh, this Woman with Sphere, I would think it's a charcoal drawing because... Obviously, he's using uh, water running down a surface to create shadows on her body, right? It, it looks like a, an impressionistic kind of drawing rather than a photograph.
0: Again, I think that's you know, Herb's influences by other, other art forms, whether it be drawings, whether it be sculpture, definitely very classic uh, traditional photographing.
1: There are fairly conservative types here in Korea. Um, have you gotten any flack whatsoever uh, over the nature of these photographs at all? There are people, you know, whose sensitivities are a little higher here.
2: We have not. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up because I did uh, speak with uh, Ducks Park, the... Uh gentlemen who coordinated this and I had some concerns about that especially having just come out of an exhibition we had in Moscow where they wanted to cover up some of the photographs they wanted to have signs at the front door just talking about male nudity in particular but we didn't take an approach to the selection and the curation of this based on that so these are Herb's photographs and uh, we haven't heard anything negative so far.
1: During your final conversation whenever that was uh, what, did you, what did you talk about?
2: What the next day's job was going to be, what the production was, how long it was going to take to get the film done, when we'd see the contact sheets, and what the deadline was for the Vanity Fair Hollywood issue.
1: So the work sustained him right up to the last minute?
2: That is pretty much it. His one rule of thumb was I'll let my work speak for him.
1: Britt's photo exhibit goes through May at the Sejong Center, so you still have a little bit of time. Highly, highly recommended. It. it is a real treat for the eyes. That's it for our show. Koreascape is produced by Christina Sow with associate production by Jamie Lee. GP1 is our writer. I'm Kurt Asian Join us again tomorrow at 9 a.m. We're gonna be getting vertical at an indoor climbing gym on this week's Planet Korea. Before we go, though, today another reminder of Herbert's work, this time in video. He directed a very sensual black and white video for Chris Isaac's nineteen ninety international hit Wicked Game. Chris Isaac was quoted as saying, Luckily it was Herb that I listened to instead of my own fears, and it came out good. Enjoy Wicked Game by Chris Isaac.